Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Music and Concert Zone with Johnny Lightfoot and Trent Falcone on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Ah, yes. Welcome in to the Music and Concert Zone. Johnny Lightfoot, Trent Falcone. What up? How's it been, man? How you doing? I'm disgusting. That's how I'm doing. You're disgusting? Disgusting. Why? What's going on? I have a head cold. Oh, fun. Yeah. I'm glad lucky you're completely you. across the room lucky and nowhere you. near me at all. Yes, lucky you. I'm sorry. I sound disgusting, but... The show must go on, somebody said. Well, so. you are across the way from me, and yes, you are. we are practicing social distancing. Even though it's not COVID, we still practice three, it nowadays. Three negative tests. It's wow. not COVID. There, there was a thing back in the day called a cold. I kind of remember Do you remember this. colds? No. Yeah, no, but nobody does. But uh, I think this is just a good old... Fashion head cold. Just a good old fashioned head cold. Well, yeah, it's rock still, and roll. Either way, we are social distancing, and even Trent has a mask on. So if he sounds a little muffled, you can blame him for wearing his mask. But I thank him for wearing his mask because I don't want to get sick. Who does? Nobody does anymore. Trent, it's been crazy. We've had concerts going on like mad, music history going on, all sorts of stuff is just happening in the music world. And man, let's start off right off the bat with. What just happened last night? We had a really killer show, I believe, uh, Three Doors Down. Yes, and Seether. 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 I a like good, Seether. Good old fat. You know what? I prefer them out of the two. I, I actually do I, as well. I don't know if you're supposed to say that, but I'm going to say it. You can say it. You're welcome to say anything they're just you a want. Good, you know? They're just a good rock band. You know, they're, of, they're sort of of that genre that, you know, the 90s alt sound. But, um, yeah, they were good. They were good. They seem to have more of a rock sound to me than Three Doors Down. Would you agree with that? Uh, the more uh, an alty metal sound, I sure. would say. They're okay. heavier. They're yeah, heavier. There, there you go. That, that's what I mean by, by by the more rock sound. A heavier a heavier vibe than what Three Door Down Three Doors Down produces. Now Three Doors Down, of course, have tons of hits. This is their twentieth anniversary. Or it was their twentieth anniversary tour last night. Yeah, the the famous Better Life, right? The famous Kryptonite and all the all the hits. Big songs for them throughout yeah, the nineties, of yeah. course. And uh, you were at the show. I was, yeah, yeah. I uh, you know I I spent a lot of time at shows because I know. of my profession, and um, 
again a great time you know it was um it was a great rock show and and another great one coming up uh what's today today's wednesday today's wednesday another yeah, great so. show tomorrow i'm actually it. excited about this one uh well it's again it's not everybody's cup of tea but it's a great metal show corn corn and stained which uh is a great combination but i think we may have discussed this if not on air we definitely discussed it off air is either one of those bands could headline we absolutely talked about this people have debated a uh, corn is headlining and people have debated whether or not stain should headline i gotta st- i gotta stick with corn i would say i think it's i i think corn is the headliner but i've been told that that's not correct really yeah corn is not the headliner yeah that stained uh can hold their own well i guess we'll find out tomorrow I night with seeing who uh closes the show you know the best uh, uh, this is nerd stuff right here but what is the coolest thing about corn this is coming from a bald guy. Okay. Their hair. Their hair. Tell just me. Just a crazy. What was the, it? Not Phil. Phildy's not with him anymore. The bass he player. He is not. He's he's taking some time off. But um, uh, who was the guitar player? What's his name again? Head. Yes. Monkey. Monkey head. That's right. Tell me their hair is not spectacular. Yeah, it's been pretty wild throughout the years. It's spectacular. It's just that long, <laughs> dreaded. I mean, it's spectacular. You know, an interesting thing about corn is. They're really known for the seven-string guitar, that real deep sound, bringing it into modern music. But you got to go back just a few years prior to where that guitar started was with Steve Vai. I remember Steve Vai first coming out with the Universe guitar, and this is when we were still in high school. And he came out with that guitar, and I actually bought one, but I ended up not purchasing it, long story short. Um, Korn really brought it, though, to the forefront and in popular music. You know, I totally forgot about that. Did you really? Steve Vai. Yeah. Steve Vai. At the Vai. time, that was, a, that was quite a thing, now that you've said that. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about it. No one, no one had really heard of a seven string guitar i mean now there's eight string and nine string guitars even and i mean it's gotten lower and it's just crazy the new metal thing is what i always associate it with yes exactly yeah i totally forgot about that and steve i came out with the universe and he used it on passion and warfare record and then uh and and what i liked about it is i obviously i'm a bass player and i play five string basses so the bass and the guitar that seven string guitar has that low e a b string just like a five string bass so it was really cool to me and made sense even though i never ended up playing one very often that being said i have a couple of them but i've never really used them but corn has brought them to the forefront especially with that first record man i mean listen to that music it's just like wow that is heavy by today's standards it's not but but then it was no, that was a, they were absolutely one of the the leaders of that whole genre. You know, they I mean now you think of I don't know if they want to necessarily be considered new metal anymore. They've obviously sure. they've branched out. I don't know that anybody really claims to be new metal anymore, but um <laughs> you know, I never really that, knew what that genre was anyway. Well, it was that low end, the seven string yeah. and the you know, it it was basically just rock. Right? It was just rock. rock. Just it's, another see, version of alt rock. It was just rock to me. It, sure. Obviously, music had changed from the 80s and then into the 90s, and then the end of the 90s is when it got really the heavier, the new metal sound. But to me, that was just still rock and roll. Well, and I mean, so my personal, the Deftones. Deftones from that, that whole era was by far my favorite. Were you a fan? I was, Chino yes. Chino and the Boys? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? First time I heard the White Deftones, Pony. I was oh. totally just blown away. I saw them open for 311. Really? At Salt Air. Wow. On the first, what was the first album called? 
I don't even remember to adrenaline. be totally honest with you. Adrenaline. Okay. okay. Yeah. And they opened for 311 out at Saltair. And wow. They were, uh, they were, that was just when the whole new metal thing was sort of kicking off, but a uh, spectacular band. Speaking of Saltair, that's a venue that I don't think is used enough. I enjoyed that venue. I'd never loved the smell at that venue. Every but... single band yes. that I've ever seen play at Saltair. Every single band. All right, maybe not everyone, but almost every single band. <laughs> right, right. Have commented on the smell. Oh yeah, it's horrible. It's no wonder they're not really doing a whole lot out there, and it's no wonder that it uh, didn't really happen back in the day. I mean, the smell is just god awful. So, however, I have to say, I saw Billy Eilish out there. What's it been? Probably two or three years. Really? Outside. Okay. And it was it was a great great experience. It's not depending on the time of the year, right? Sure. It's not as bad, and uh, it was a cool evening. And it was I don't know if you've seen a show out there on the beach. But it's it's worth checking out. I have not seen a show it's, out there on the beach. That would be kind of interesting for me to see. I, it's I a like that idea. Whole different experience than inside, which is it's got you know that's got a great. I love the you know the two story setup. Sure. If you're on the rail, I've seen many shows out there. When you're up top on the rail, it looks great. Um, but yeah, the beach is a whole different experience. It's nice. That would be interesting to see. Well, now speaking, I don't know about in August. You know, in the middle of August, it could be dodgy. But hey, oh, yes, whatever. Yes, I see what you're saying there. Well, Trent, that leads me to the next thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about concert venues. As just a few weeks ago, uh, I believe, as of just the end of August, to be totally exact, a new kind of rule, so to speak, but not necessarily a rule, but a suggestion has now been made that concerns the majority of the venues for live music. A lot of them now are requiring masks and a COVID vaccination card with you. Yes. Um, That's, I think, going to be the future for a while. Uh, well, I agree. And, and just to kind of backtrack, I mean, Garth Brooks was just here yeah. up at the University of Utah. From I did not attend the show, from, but there. what I heard, it was unbelievable. Spectacular. But Garth Brooks, after that date, maybe just a few dates after he he'd played here, he ended up canceling the rest of his tour dates to, uh, due to surges in cases. And another country artist, is it uh, Jason Isabel? Isbell? Isbell. Isbell, yeah. who was... Uh, he played up at Red Butte Gardens in July, but since then he has made vaccination requirements announcements before his Utah show was scheduled. So he was able to do that. But after that, he's changed the, basically the, the forefront for his shows. You need to come in with a vaccination card and, and everything else. Well, so as of now, uh, it's my understanding is it's artist choice. Okay. So it is up to the artist if they want to enforce that. And some are choosing to do that. Some, of course, are moving their show, their tours yeah. to next year. Uh, but some are, yeah. Uh, you know, the Jonas Brothers were, what, last week? Mm-hmm. And they decided to require that. Okay. And uh, it seemed to go fairly, fairly well. It was fairly easy. Very well attended. I think close to sold out. Not a big deal. So, so let me ask you, was there... a any blowback on it, you know, where people kind of like, well, there's, oh, a, I mean, you know, you know, this is a topic, you know, for another show and another station and whatever, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not even going to touch that. Whatever your opinion is, 
Bands want to go on tour. Absolutely. Bands got to sit home for a year, like many of us. And didn't make any money. They made no money. Right. Uh, you know, let me remind you, if you're not familiar with the music business, bands don't sell records anymore. Nope. There are no such things, really, as record labels anymore. There are, but the old deals don't exist. They do what's called 360 deals. 360. They, mm-hmm. take, they take money from everything. They take large... money from your touring, yes. from your... Digital or record sales, they take money from your endorsements and your merch. They take everywhere because they've realized we're not going to make money on said band. No. And streaming services uh, don't pay no. very well. For no. My, I just read an article with – who was I just reading about? Uh, probably better I don't say, but they were sure. complaining about how little money they get paid yeah. from your streaming services. So point being – Bands want to go on tour, and one could argue that it's still a bit dodgy to get that many people mm-hmm. together. Uh, so this is a safe way to do it, let me, or a, l- perhaps a perceived safer way of doing it. Let me pull the curtain back a little bit more on what you just said about artists not making money. Back in the day, a great record deal, you would make somewhere between one and three cents per record sold so you would go to a store you would pay what were they back in the day 10 15 dollars right yeah um the artist will get one to three cents depending on your record deal of course per album sold so that was a good deal that was a good deal yes remember it uh, was it nirvana somebody i uh, i can't remember didn't they get like a dollar Something a record abs- in the 90s, and that was of, absolutely yes. it's like, obscene yeah. money. Yep. Yep. Obscene money for a dollar a record. Yep. Uh, no, so yeah, bands want to tour. And some bands feel safer doing it this way. Other bands don't seem to be as concerned. And however you feel about it, um, that's a great thing. It's a choice. Sure. Uh, you can choose to come to the show, and you can choose to do what the artists request, mm-hmm. or you can choose not to. Yep. You However, have your choice. I think the future uh, it won't be a choice. I think it, this will be the wave of the future, and sure, at least for the time being. I think if you're going to come to a live event, it's probably gonna you're gonna have to do it. Well, there's uh there's some even even some of the the venues themselves, and this is from an, uh, a story on KSL.com. They're talking about even some certain venues. You mentioned now it's artist choice, but some venues are saying we are still recommending strongly that face coverings be be worn for people who are not fully vaccinated. Well, I just went to, uh, strangely enough, and I came home with a cold, but I went to Las Vegas mm-hmm. uh, to see some shows, and it was, it was required to sure. wear a mask regardless of vaccination status. Well, I got to be honest. I I don't have a problem with it. Now, other people may, but I don't have a problem with it until this is way in our rearview mirror. I Agreed. you know, even at a sporting event when I go to a Utah Jazz game, I will still put a mask on. And I I get it maybe maybe I'm that crazy guy and everyone's pointing at me. But I'm still going to do it not only for myself but for everyone else. Well, you know, funny enough, I had this thought Today, uh, so I went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. You have to wear a mask on the plane. Yep. You have to wear a mask everywhere in Vegas, yep. indoor or outdoor. You bet. You have to wear a mask inside the venue. 
of course, unless you're eating or drinking. Right. So I had a mask on most of the time, mm-hmm. and I have a cold. And you have a cold. So, the fl- you know, flip side to that is, well, is this pointless, really? I mean, I wore a mask pretty much sure. the entire time, and I got I got a cold. I understand what you're saying. I do think that it still it still helps. I still think it brings it down. Sure, agreed. 100%, it, it brings down the... Uh, the chance of getting sick. Um, obviously, there's uh, circumstances that, you know, you touch something, maybe you of touch course, your face, and course. that could be what happened with you. But sure. I think the fact of wearing masks, even in venues, um, I, I'm not going to have a problem with it. I'm not going to complain about it. I, I'm for I'm a musician who does perform and does need to make money by performing. And whatever I have to do to keep that going is what I'm going to do. Man agreed. I'm with you. I uh, I got to sit out of the game for eight or nine months. Right. I know. During 2020, and uh, I'm with you. I don't. Uh, yes, I understand exactly my point. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not. It, it's not a hundred percent. No. Right. Not it's, yet. It's just something you can try to do to reduce the risk. But of course, you know, it, it's not a hundred percent. Obviously. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you one hundred percent. And and I absolutely agree too. If you don't want to do it, you know that's good too. Sure. Uh, you, wait until wait until they come through. Your band comes through town next time. There's you know? still a lot of bands that are still not only performing live, but they're still streaming concerts as well. In sure. fact, Three Doors Down is one of them. At certain shows, they will also be streaming. So you, if you don't want to go or you can't go or, or some other reason, don't feel safe going, you can still see the concert on a live stream, which sure. I think is great. I think that's also going to be the wave. I love the idea of it. Whatever it takes to keep music going, because it is important. It is a big part of our lives, and it's definitely a huge part of yours and my life well again you know think about how aggravated everybody was during 2020 when you couldn't forget music you couldn't go to a game no you couldn't go to a restaurant you couldn't go and everybody complained that they couldn't do these things yep so just keep that in mind if we can if we can do some of these things now and it's a simple just put a mask on or take it you know whatever i i agree with you I would rather do it and be at concerts than not be at shows again. Absolutely. So if you have tickets to any upcoming shows at certain venues or actually all venues, it will be wise to definitely check with the venue, see what the rules are, see if the artist is requiring a mask or a vaccination card or a negative test within 24 hours, something, whatever they are requiring it's worth checking so to make sure that when you show up to the venue you are not turned away for not having this stuff especially certain venues like usana that that can be a drive for some people can be very far imagine going all the way out there not having everything you need if that's what the artist and the venue is requiring so it's definitely worth getting on their website seeing what their rules and regulations are i said the ksl put out uh, a a uh a story about this and it has the majority of our big venues listed you can check it out and read it for yourself and find out what's going on now we are going to take a short break this first segment just flew by Trent it's unbelievable how fast this stuff goes but we are going to be right back we're going to pay some bills and we've got some actually some really cool stuff I want to talk about there's a new music movie coming out this week uh, actually tomorrow night and it's a limited screening so I want to talk about that so we're going to take a short break and we will be right back with your music and concert zone
You're listening to the Music and Concert Zone with Johnny Lightfoot and Trent Falcone on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Welcome back, 97.5-1280 The Zone. This is the Music and Concert Zone. Come on, Rush, this song, Limelight, how can you go wrong with Limelight? Listen, I'm going to put it to you like this. I'm not the biggest Rush fan. Okay, that's fair. Not a lot of people are. That's an acquired taste. Yeah, right. That is a musician's band, though. 100%. And listen, I'm a vocal guy. I love vocals, voices, lyrics, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Amazing lyrics, but... You know, let's let's be straight. That's an acquired taste. You either like Getty Lee or you do not. Sure. Right? Yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle. But Limelight is, I don't, listen, it's one of the best songs <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah, you bet. And you know what's really ever. cool? Ever. Not just rock. Ever. Just ever in the history of music. Tell me I'm wrong. That's, it's, it's I mean, again. It's I don't know a lot of a, people that don't like that song. Well, and it's another one of those songs, like, even if you go, I don't like Rush, you put that on, like, oh, I like this, though, except this one. It's the casual Rush song. Well, there's a reason. Why? Because it's brilliant. And you know what's crazy about it, Trent, is, and this is nerding out on you guys, I apologize, but that song, most songs are in 4-4, 3-4, 6-8, right? This song is in 7-8, so it's definitely a difficult time, a, a strange, odd time, not normal music it's not a song that you dance to let's put it that way nobody wants to dance to it it's just an absolutely it's just a perfect song it's just perfect and i have i have friends uh, that absolutely adore rush and then absolutely despise rush and there's nothing more entertaining than watching them argue about rush mm. just one of those bands that you can just yeah, you're either on board or you're not. You bet. That's so true. And you're right. It is a acquired taste. Usually musicians love it, but there is the casual fan. And the reason I am talking about Rush and brought us in with Rush is Trent, tomorrow night, Thursday night, Rush is having a director's cut version of their 2019 uh cinema strongiato is what it's called now, but this is the director's cut version of it. It's a limited ag- engagement of a Rush movie. Two hours, 45 minutes documentary about Rush. Now, okay, so again, I, this is where we also get nerdy. Not a big Rush fan, but yet I've seen two or three Rush documentaries. Sure. And I've also read um, one of Neil Peart's uh, books when he passed away. Mm-hmm. Fascinating guy. Amazing, fascinating. fascinating guy. You know, he would never do meet and greets. I, I, yes, I do know. And it would always uh, Alex and uh, Getty. Always, and you, if if you could get a picture with uh, Neil or an autograph, that was like talk about the Holy Trinity right there. Well, there's a fine line, right? He talks about that in one of in the book I read. I can't remember which one it was, but um, it, a, a fascinating guy, right? Because mm-hmm. his wife and daughter yeah. both passed away within what the same year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he went cross country yep. on a motorcycle, and this book was basically just you know his journal. He made some stops here in Utah. He did, and he he did comment. He was right on the edge of sounding like one of those guys where you go. He almost sounded a bit 
Um, I don't want to say anything poor, but he sounded like almost the way he felt about being idolized, that perhaps he was a bit snobbish. But when you, when you really, when you watch those documentaries, he just didn't like people to fuss over him, basically. No, no. You know, he, he didn't why, like yeah. people because he was a god, right? As a drummer, Which he an absolute god, but he didn't want to be no. treated like that. So he, you could tell that he was just sort of almost embarrassed. Well, you know what's interesting? You, you mentioned that he was a god in drumming, and as, as far as musicians go, he's definitely one of the top names always brought up for drummers. But he didn't see it that way. He well, saw isn't himself, he the top? Who, who, in, it, uh, it could who? change daily. Let's be honest. It could really change daily. Wow. But he he actually later in his career went back, took lessons from a jazz instructor, and changed the way he played drums to fit that style. That's right. And, and it's amazing. And, of course, he uh, sadly passed away last year in 2020 on January 7th. And uh, it was a big, big blow to fans of Rush and myself even but I think some of this director's cut movie will talk about it and I'm going to I'm just going to kind of read the description here and this is uh from a cinemark but it says the holy trinity of rock returns to the big screen on September 9th with when Rush Cinema Strangiato director's cut brings Rush fans together in movie theaters once again worldwide this time to celebrate 40 years of the moving pictures record the global fan effect takes an alternate director's cut of the 2019's feature giving audiences a special look into the r40 live with a revamped set list including new additions of bonus tracks which include one little victory and red barchetta love that song of course and not to mention featuring neil's final recorded drum solo masterpiece that's pretty cool. The director's cut also includes soundcheck performances of the fan favorites Jacob's Ladder, exclusive interviews with Tom Morello, Billy Corgan, Taylor Hawkins, the Trailer Park Boys, violinist Jonathan Dinklage, and many, many more surprises. That sounds entertaining. If you're a fan of music and if you're listening to this show, you obviously are, this is awesome. Well, again, I've watched uh, I've watched at least two mm-hmm. uh, documentaries, and uh, you know, again, I, I could I don't care what band the documentary is about. I find them, you know, I'm captivated. But it is they're they're an incredible band and and such cool uh, personalities. Just one of those bands that you know, again, not even being a huge fan, uh, oh, yeah. I'm just kind of fascinated by them. The longevity and the output and the and just my God and yeah you know would you say Moving Pictures is probably their greatest record with Tom Sawyer? I can't. I straight up. I'm not. I'm not a big enough fan to even comment. I can tell you that Limelight is one of the best songs that I've ever heard. Sure, Spirit of Radio is not on 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 Moving Pictures, but that's another huge song for them. No, I wouldn't. uh, I would not insult Rush fans and even comment on what their best record is because I'm not. I'm not well versed enough to have to be able to say that, but uh, they're a fascinating group uh, to read about and to follow. And again, Neil Peart is, uh, or Peart, uh, depending on who you know. I've always called it Peart. Yeah, I've heard both. Yeah, me too. uh, Fascinating guy. Absolutely brilliant. Just, just brilliant. Well, this is a limited engagement only on Thursday nights. And basically at any of your Cinemark movie theaters, it's a 7 p.m. start. 
uh, at all of them. However, certain ones like Century 16 over on 33rd, there is a 7, a 720, and a 930. So there is a couple options for it. But you pretty much show up at a Cinemark at 7 o'clock, and you're going to be able to see one of these uh, screenings of this Rush documentary. Like I said, it is a recut version of their 2019 uh, feature. It's the director's cut called Rush Cinema Strongiato, and I'm sure I'm just butchering that. I'm horrible (laughs) about it. But what's amazing to me, Trent, is this is a two-hour and 45-minute documentary. But it will go by. Oh, yeah. That's one bag of popcorn. Maybe two. Well, maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah, maybe two. But how cool. And it's Thursday? It's Thursday. It's tomorrow night. So if you're not on your way to corn and you want to do something music-related, you can definitely go check out the Rush uh, documentary. That, to me, is really cool. Is it at Megaplex? I have not seen. Let me look here really quick and see if it's going to be at Megaplexes as well. Hmm. I uh, I hope so. Yeah. Megaplex is a big sponsor of ours for the Movie Zone with Austin and I. There you go. That was the um, tie-in right there. Yeah, you did a good job see? there. See? Very, very well done. I am not seeing it there, but that does not mean it's not showing... Um, I do know that it will be at the the Cinemark, so there you go. No, I got to. Uh, I was lucky enough to be at their last Salt Lake City really? concert. I was involved with that at Maverick Center. I can't remember the year. Mm-hmm. Eight, eighteen, eighteen, maybe nine, maybe nineteen, maybe eighteen. Yeah, but uh, no, it was special. Um, it was definitely special. Again, you. It's always very exciting to see these people, lifelong fans. You know, seeing their band. That yeah, you know right. they've seen God only knows how many times. Grown adults, grown men, uh, you know, with tears in their eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, just singing every lyric, every lyric, playing every drum fill, every air, air drum, air guitar, you know? <laughs> uh, and they have their kids with them. Um, you know, it, dads, daughters. You know, it's it's very cool. Well, not, very not cool. to uh, not and to... I watched him run for the bus. I watched. Did you really? He he uh, he Neil? ran. Uh, yeah, ran wow. every night to the bus before they were even done. He was on the bus. Gonzo. Well, not to bring up the band we always bring up, but Kiss had a big, big thing to, to do with them. You're not supposed to bring Kiss up again. No, but they did have a big thing to do with. They they took Rush out and and uh, helped bring them to the stardom that they achieved for sure. That's part of the documentary. It's really cool. They have pictures of them on the road together. Yes. In these little, you know, little motel rooms. And it's them, yeah. you know, uh, after the show or whatever. It's Yeah, it's pretty damn cool. If I'm not, not mistaken, they used to come in and entertain for Paul and Gene yeah. and do like little comedy routines. Yeah. You're listening to the Music and Concert Zone with Johnny Lightfoot the, and the Trent Falcone. I'm sure you can find it on Netflix. And one of them, it it, it documents the entire final tour, uh, city by city. And um, yeah, it's incredible. And again, another interesting fact: Neil would ride his bike between yes. cities. Yes, he'd take his motorcycle. He would, not on the tour bus. Yeah, he would. He would drive to the next, or mm-hmm. he would ride to the next city on his bike, uh, and just uh, followed by his security guy. Of course. And uh, man, what a cool life, you know. Cool excellent, band, excellent, cool band. Excellent. Maybe I'll go. Let's go. You should. Let's go. Let's go to the show Thursday. I'm there. Let's go to the late show. We can do it, whatever you want to do. It's only four hours. Oh, sorry, three hours. Uh, sorry, two hours, 45 minutes. Two popcorns. That's Let's fine. Let's go. Now, hey, Trent, a, a few weeks ago, we brought in a brand new segment called This Day in Music History. 
And it talks about all the way back in history, just cool things that happened on this specific day, April 8th. Let's go. Okay. Depends on how far we want to go back. There's some Supreme April stuff. April 8th. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. April, I'm sorry. September 8th, right? I thought the cold medication was kicking in. Man, am I just confused? April 8th. Am I confused here? Today is September 8th. Are you sure? Yes, I hope so. Okay, here we go. September 8th. On this day, music history, September 8th. I just totally had a brain fart there, I think. So uh, here we go. (laughs) Did I say April again? I did. September 8th, 1968. The Beatles were seen performing Hey Jude on the UK television show Frost on Sunday in front of an invited audience. The song was the first single from the Beatles record label Apple Records. And at over seven minutes in length, Hey Jude was, at the time, the longest single ever to top the British charts. It spent nine weeks, number one in the United States, the longest run at the top of the American charts for a Beatles song. How many weeks? Uh, Nine weeks at number one. Wow. That's pretty awesome. On this day, same day, September 8th, 1968, Led Zeppelin appeared... At, oh boy, it'll just say Denmark, because there's a lot of names here I can't say. Sure. Denmark, supporting the Beatniks and the Ladybirds, wow, who were an all-girl, let's just say shirtless, all-girl shirtless go-go dancing outfit. This was the group's third ever live gig. And they played with Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. They wow. uh, Yeah. How crazy is that? That's a story. Can you imagine if you were in that band? Yeah, right? Telling your grandchildren. Well, you remember back in the day. Guess what I did. Guess who I played for. (laughs) That's a story. Well, this is another big day for Led Zeppelin because in 1979, they scored their eighth UK number one album when In Through the Outdoor went to the top of the charts for two weeks. The eighth studio album, Trent, by Zeppelin was their final album of entirely new material. That's kind of crazy. Jumping up to 1990... Bon Jovi went to number one on the U.S. singles charts with his hit Blaze of Glory. Wow. From the Young Guns 2 soundtrack. Wow. Not, I forget about that song. So you know what I found out about this? And this was actually from John himself. The guitar player on that track is Jeff Beck. One of the keyboard players is Elton John. No. Yes. On the, Blaze of Glory? Yes. On that, on that record. Is that... Document. He's credited. Yes. Wow. Yes. This is John Bon Jovi talking on one of the uh, satellite radios about this this record. Wow. Um, Kenny Arnoff was the drummer on this. this. This whole time, I thought it was the Bon Jovi band, Tico Torres, Richie Sambora, all those guys playing. It wasn't. Jeff Beck, Elton John, Kenny Arnoff. I mean, these are major players in the music. What business. was the story behind that? Why? I mean, obviously. Why didn't he get Bon Jovi? I mean, yeah, why not the band? I think he was commissioned to write the soundtrack. And when I say soundtrack, I mean the songs. Uh, He didn't score it. But the soundtrack for it, and I think he just wanted a different vibe. Maybe the band wasn't available. Maybe he just wanted different players. I mean, if you have an opportunity to do a song with Elton John and Jeff Beck, seems like a no-brainer, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's cool. Absolutely. I didn't know that. Look, and I learned something today. Well, jumping back to uh, this day, September 8th, 1993, 
Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love appeared on stage together at a show in Hollywood. They performed a song they wrote together titled Penny Royalty. Kind of interesting. But back to Led Zeppelin. September 8th was a big day for Zeppelin. 1997, 29 years after the band first formed, Led Zeppelin released Whole Lot of Love, their first ever single in the U.K., Wait a second. I that thought that was released a lot earlier. That can't be right. But it says the track recorded in 1969 and featured one of the on the band's second album was issued to promote the re-release of got the it. back catalog. So there we go. You got to finish the uh, Johnny needs to finish the whole paragraph. There you go. There yeah. To make sense of it's that. It's September 8th, not April 8th. Did I say it again? No, I'm joking. Okay. I'm joking. I probably did. Who knows? Nope, you're good. 2002, Iron Maiden singer Bruce Dickinson started his new job as an airline pilot. The heavy metal singer qualified as a $35,000, this is in pounds, I guess, a year first officer with Gatwick-based airlines who took holiday makers to Portugal and Egypt. Have you seen that show? Speaking of documentaries. Yes, I've seen the Iron Maiden documentary. Flight, Flight 666. Yes. Awesome. So cool. Awesome. They put their band and crew, the gear the in the back. The entire tour. Yeah. He flies the entire show all over the world. And the, it, the, if you have not, listen, if you like rock documentaries, I can't remember the name, the Rush documentary on Netflix and Flight 666. You will not be disappointed. No, check that one out. And we got time for one last one here. This is September 8, 2020, and it's kind of a sad one. But American composer, singer, songwriter, arranger, producer, saxophonist, and co-founding member member of Cool and the Gang, Ronald Bell, died at age 68. He wrote and produced many of Cool and the Gang's songs, including Celebration, Cherish, Jungle Boogie, and Summer Madness. He said his favorite song was Celebration, which he wrote after picking up a Bible in a hotel room. Wow. I did not know that last part. I didn't either. That was pretty interesting. So this is basically, well, this isn't basically, this is. That has been this day in music history, September 8th. (laughs) Or April. Depending on which way we're looking at it. Whatever works for you. I don't know. Today it's, let's go with September. September? Okay, September. All right. We're going to take another break, and we will be right back. Trent Falcone, Johnny Lightfoot, this is the Music and Concert Zone on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome back, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Johnny Lightfoot, my buddy Trent Falcone over there. What up? And we are listening to our throwback album of the week. Oh, uh, come on. Is this a big one for you? Oh, uh, come on with this. You don't even know. Listen yeah. to Are we still playing it? We're still yeah. playing oh, it. Oh, yeah. 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 I can't hear. This is <sighs> The Cure Disintegration. and uh, Get out. I, You know, I got to be honest, Trent. I... Uh, when the Cure first came out, I was never a huge fan. I liked some of their songs, but they were not rock and roll and hairspray enough for me at that time. Well, they probably used more hairspray than I any know, of the bands. That's what's crazy. Any of the bands that you listen to, Robert Smith just had massive hairsprayed hair. But the older I've gotten, and the more I appreciate all genres of music, 
I absolutely love The Cure. Listen, I'm not going to... Uh, same thing. When this when this game came out in 89. Yep. I was not a Cure fan. I was straight up metal. That well, was it. Yeah. That we was, both it were, was you and I. Or hardcore. That was it. It didn't exist if it wasn't hardcore, punk, or metal. However, shortly after this came out, I discovered all of those wonderful bands. Mm-hmm. And... This is one of the best uh, records. I know I say that about every record we talk about because we only really talk about good records, interesting records. But, man, The Cure, Disintegration, it's just, it's almost perfect. It's almost perfect. From From front to back, it's perfect. Well, let's talk a little bit about it. Disintegration is actually the eighth studio album by English rock band The Cure, released, as you just mentioned, in 1989 on May 2nd on Fiction Records. And this record, Trent, marks a return to the introspective gothic style the band had established in the early 80s. I guess that's kind of true. They kind of were gothic, weren't they? Well, again, Early Cure was not my bag. Um, But this, this, this just, in my mind, made them superstars, right? Uh, Yeah. They were, this is really the record that, in my memory made them a world they were that was it well this album became the band's first commercial peak charting at number three in the uk and at number 12 in the united states uh both producing several hits including love song great song right great song really great song which peaked at number two on the billboard top 200 it remains the band's highest-selling record to date, with more than 3 million copies sold worldwide. Listen, you can put this record on, and you can you can listen to it from start to finish, and it doesn't get old. No. Now, it's a mellow record, right? It's a well, mellow... Well, most Cure stuff was. Yeah, but this is a just a... But it's, it's just... It's art, is what it is. It's absolutely beautiful. Well, the uh, song we bumped in with was actual disintegration, the the the, the title track, and that's like an eight minute song, right? Eight minutes and nineteen seconds. Wow! And it is the same bass line. Yeah, I noticed. And that. it does not get old, and it just shows you that things don't have to be no super complex to be interesting. Like it, we were to, talking about Rush in the last segment, this is like the polar is, well, opposite, again, right? Yeah, man. It, again, that's the beautiful thing about music, right? I mean, if it's... It, it's amazing, the spectrum. You can do something with a million notes, yeah. or you can do something with five. Yeah. And how you put it together, and how everything strings together, it's just disintegration is... Again, if you don't, if you don't know this record, do yourself a favor. I know a lot of you have to be right like we were metalheads sure yeah of i had that Still whole am. that whole group of people i went to school with were the opposite side yeah okay the cure depeche mode the smiths pet shop boys all that they know you got in fights with most of them didn't you well i loved everybody you know? <laughs> i loved everybody <laughs> but at the time of course i was like oh no that's nonsense and then boy here it comes i was wrong all those people that I argued yeah. with, I was wrong. I can, I can agree with that. are absolutely brilliant. They're I was one of the my same favorite, way. Favorite and bands. Then they started releasing like Friday I'm in Love and all those other songs. And, and of course, that's another... What, what was the other bass-centric song from The Cure? Not Friday I'm in Love, but... Uh, they have Love Cats and they've got... It's always bass-centric, which I 
appreciate now and not so much then. Man, Robert Smith is just uh, pictures of you. That's another yeah, one. That's man. another seven-minute song that's... On this record uh, as well. Yeah, it's just, again, if you're having a... If you want to escape reality, put on your headphones, close your eyes, listen to Disintegration from front to back, have some tea. It's an, mm-hmm. it's an escape. It's absolutely an escape. I tend to listen to The Cure more... We talked about this a while back, you know, certain seasons. I listen to different music, oh, like different sure. genres. Like sure. summertime to me, I listen to more country music, right? Interesting. The Cure to me is a winter, fall, winter band. But man, this record, you cannot go wrong. Pictures of you and, and uh, Lullaby. You know, and strangely, I think Fas- Fascination Street was, the I think, the first single. Okay. Not the best song on the record, in my mind. I mean, Pictures of You is... Ironically, a lot of the first singles from that time frame were not the best songs. Here's another thing. Uh, people forget. I think nowadays, especially, people don't listen to the full record. Now it's a singles world. Mm-hmm. We listen to the first yeah. three songs. There's a reason why bands now just put out five singles before yep. they put the record out. They, Absolutely. They want, you can't hold people's attention long enough if you make it to the end of disintegration there's a song called homesick oh of course and it's perhaps maybe one of the best it's probably one of the best songs on the album and it's it's just a hidden gem it's just it's a beautiful record i'm going to bring it to everyone's favorite segment it is the upcoming concerts events and this is going to be sponsored by live nation this week trent why not right and the cure <laughs> it's sponsored Robert by the Smith, cure i love you well, last night we had uh, Three Doors Down out there at USANA Amphitheater. And tomorrow night, Corn and Stained are coming. That's September 9th. September 22nd, Kiss, is, which is uh, rescheduled from 924, will be at USANA. The next night, Alanis Morissette. With garbage. With garbage. That's going to be garbage? a fun show. Oh, of course. Yeah. All right. This has been the Music and Concert Zone. I am Johnny Lightfoot. He is Trent Falcone. You can follow us on Twitter at Johnny Lightfoot one And where do we follow, Trent? Johnny Lightfoot 1. There you go. Anyways, thanks for listening. We will catch you next week. This has uh, been the Music and Concert Zone on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.